Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Faye O'Rourke. She is the singer of Soda Blonde, who might be a new name to you, but they will certainly be familiar faces because it's four-fifths of Little Green Cars. They're completed by Adam O'Regan, Donna Seaver O'Leary and Dylan Lynch. So Little Green Cars broke up earlier this year and a short while later, Soda Blonde were announced to the world they released a debut single, Swimming Through the Night, earlier this year. They played a couple of shows. They played uh, their debut show in Hogan's in Dublin in May. And then they did a couple of festival gigs as well. So still very much finding their feet as a band. But, I mean, they've got all of that Little Green Cars history and blood in them. So I'm pretty sure it'll all be fine for them. They released their debut EP, Terrible Hands, last week, November 8th. I think it's a brilliant listen. The title track we're going to hear in a little bit, or at least a snippet of it. And there's a track I reference in our chat with Faye, and I reference a kind of a chromatics influence shining through on one of the tracks on the EP. That's the New Lover's Dance is the one that I'm uh, talking about there. If you want to check that one out. They're also on tour as well. They played Waterford last week. So if there's any Waterford listeners, I'm sorry that I'm only informing you about that show now. They're doing the Kino this Saturday in Cork. That's November 16th. They're in the Roisin Dovet in Galway on the 23rd. Then it's over to the UK for a show in Paper Dress Vintage in London on the 26th of November. The Soup Kitchen in Manchester, which is a great venue, on November 27th. Dolan's in Limerick on November 29th. Uh, the Black Box in Belfast on December 6th. And two shows in Whelan's on the 15th and 16th of December, because the one on the 15th has sold out. So I really enjoyed chatting to Faye. We did it in the library bar in the Central Hotel in Dublin. So there's a little bit of background noise You can call it background noise. I like to think of it as atmosphere, atmospherics. So uh, just so you know all about that. Um, So yeah, let's listen to the title track of that EP, Terrible Hands, and we'll get straight into the chat with Faye O'Rourke on The Point of Everything. i 
first of all, like, when did the Soda Blonde story start? Well, I suppose after Little Green Cars came to an end, there was a period where we were all thinking, what are we going to do? Because you're so, your identity is so wrapped up in, you know, being in a band and none of us went to college and that was all that any of us did for 10 years. So it was an extremely hard thing to walk away from. Um, and there was a period kind of in between where I knew I was going to pursue music, um, but I didn't know under what kind of name or if I was going to do something myself or what was going to happen. All I knew was that I had loads of material that I felt needed to see the light of day. So there was a period in between of about like four months where we, I, I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And then, you know, the three guys were like, you know, we, we would love nothing more than to continue in a band with you. So then it was the whole process of what the band name was going to be and, you know, like what, what the kind of formula was. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty much how it started. <laughs> so did Little Green Cars finish? Was there a long period before you announced um, Soda Blonde? I think Soda Blonde was announced in April 2019, maybe May 2019. And so what was the kind of the the... Uh, timeline between say the end of Little Green Cards and how did you know it was coming to an end and the start of Soda Blonde? Yeah well it's funny because people just see it instantaneously when they see it in their news feed or something like that but it was like it was coming for a while and I suppose after the second record we did some extensive touring we did you know UK and the States and you know some some European stuff and then we kind of got into the writing process and I guess I had started to write a lot more. My confidence was growing a little bit more in the band and stuff like that. And I think things were starting to become less cohesive, maybe in a way, than they were. Um, and the sound was developing and it just started to feel like a new thing. Um, and that's why, I guess, we kind of continued um, together um, because like this material was, it was starting to take new shape and it was starting to get its own identity. and. Um, like Stevie's one of the best singer-songwriters I think in the world, but and I think the great thing about Little Green Cars was the kind of juxtaposition of the two, you know, the two opinions or the two perspectives. Um, I think that's what made it challenging and what made it great. But there was definitely a period there, I'd say like last year, more than a year ago, you know, where we had about like 60, 70 demos and there was multiple albums in there. You know what I mean? There was options to make to go in so many different directions. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say it was kind of like a year and a half ago, two years. But when you're in a band for so long, when you do something for ten years, there's bound to be um, it's bound to change to change shape, you know. It must be so hard to just call it a day, though. Like, were you abs- like were you just wrestling with yourselves for ages? Like, how do we actually end this? Well, yeah, I think as well. You're thinking about like for the people's well-being, and like your lives are just so um, intertwined, and especially when you've done something from such an early age and. We got management when we were 16, 17, and it was like having a, a sort of like another parent guiding you through it. And you're kind of trying to find your autonomy within that and like being working with record labels and, and you know, people sort of trying to push you in certain directions. You're kind of struggling to to get your your autonomy. So, yeah, for a band that's been going for that long and it being so like wrapped up in your identity, it was kind of like who's going to pull the trigger or what's the catalyst going to be to you know to end to end this thing and at the end of the day it was a very mutual you know amicable thing um when we when we decided to call it quits and I think there was maybe a degree of relief as well 
Um, but also a massive sadness, as I said. Um, it was it was a really hard thing to, to let go of. So, yeah. Because you did call it quits, like I never had the chance to chat two little green cars on uh, the podcast. So I do just want to kind of delve into it a little bit more. Maybe it's interesting just coming from it, like as a finite thing now. Like, do you do you think that you did everything that you could or would you change anything like talking about getting the management at 16 17 you like actually we should have waited or anything like that like do you have any kind of regrets about the band no like not in the slightest um i think that it it kind of provided us with such an exciting life and everybody has little things that they wonder if i had done this and i had done that but i'm like just deeply proud of the two you know albums that we did um, I mean, particularly the second one because it was kind of a challenging listen, I think, for people coming off the back of the first one and we were still so young and the music was kind of like had this like real darkness, but it was kind of reflecting, I guess, the time we were going through. The only thing I ever think about those things, and it's more a personal thing as opposed to a band thing, is that I think I suppose have a tendency to let my personal life take precedent over maybe work. But I suppose the two are so inter intermingled when you're a songwriter and when you're a creative, it's kind of hard to separate the two out. What do you mean? I mean, I guess like I've always been led by um, my impulses and like, you know, whether it be something that I'm pursuing in, in my personal life or letting things kind of envelop me or, you know, I think like you question your drive and you think sometimes, oh, if I had only kind of knuckled down and if I had written 20 more songs or if I had done this out of the other. But no, because I think that everything that we, we wrote was informed by what was going on. And also there was just so many challenges to growing up within that within that um, world, you know. So no, no regrets. <laughs> Inherently proud of it, really. And Little Green Cars are one of the bands who I always kind of hold up as like, I feel like radio play was always integral to you guys. Like, uh, it just seemed like the likes of Today FM got behind you and suddenly it did seem like you were just that notch above a lot of people like and I think Irish music being played on the radio is such a big topic there should be more of it and stuff like that but like would you agree that like you know radio play was just such an important thing and it was it's almost like a I don't know a kind of a tick along the way that you're doing the right thing I think for for that time it was certainly um because I mean, Spotify definitely wasn't as prominent then as it is now, because we're talking like probably like eight years ago or something like that. Um, yeah, I think, and it's it's something that still has such power. It still holds such power, but I guess like there's other kind of, um, you know, revenues that you can go down now. But I think that that was the moment, that was the shift when we kind of started to get that, that radio play here and, and uh, you know, in the UK. So yeah, definitely. And did ye leave anything, like, on the table as Little Green Cars? I don't know if I'm right in saying, like, you had, like, a third album recorded. You mentioned you had 60 or 70 demos recorded, which is a phenomenal um, amount of music. Like, was it all finished and ready to go? And you, you were just like, we actually don't, I don't know, don't believe in it or something? No, it wasn't a case of, like, not believing in it. It was just a case of it felt like the, pro the project had kind of come to an end. And there was more kind of, it would have, it just felt like it was moving on into a new into a new realm and even like the kind of music that we're doing now I don't know if you've heard the new stuff but it's definitely got like a different angle or a vibrance to it um not saying that the other stuff wasn't but it was just taking its own it was 
had its own legs, I guess. <laughs> well, let's talk about that new music. It does kind of sound bigger, maybe, than what came before, but also, like, you're the, are you the sole singer-songwriter now? Um, like, is there an added pressure on it from your point of view now? No, I don't think so. I actually think it's less. Because <laughs> I'm, kind of I'm, I'm kind of within myself and I'm just exploring like who I am more so as opposed to it being you step up, you step back and you're kind of sharing that space. And, and it was great to share that space. And as I said earlier, I think that's what made the previous project great. But um, it definitely feels like there's more room, you know, um, to, be, to be me and to be to be a songwriter and on my own terms and not fit them into a you know not trying to make two things sit side by side and force them together there's much more space i think for for great for creativity i think so like when when you were like the first couple of years of little green cars were you kind of more of a passive kind of participant i guess i mean like I, I don't know were you doing the songwriting then or anything like that and where did the kind of the songwriting chops come from how did you how do you develop them is it just through like trial and error well i mean i started writing songs because i met the guys when i was like 13 14 and it was just i was always me megally frustrated if i wasn't immediately good at something i would just like quit <laughs> so i kind of felt i had a bit of an aptitude when i started and and the guys were so encouraging of me within that um, but yeah, I was really lacked confidence, really lacked confidence. Um, and also I, I really looked up to Stevie. So anything that I would have sung in Little Green Cars, I would have written. Um, so I think that just from doing it and, be, and touring and being in that situation and, and, and personal growth as well through things happening around me, like in my personal life, not just like, you know, being on the road and being in a band gave me a bit more confidence and just made me feel like I wanted to be more prominent and I wanted to, um, you know, have have a platform uh, for everything. And also your skills do develop naturally, like over time and, and having constructive criticism, I think, is great. I think that the, the, the relationship I have with the guys now is we've kind of just really mastered being able to give each other shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is great, um, which is really, really good. So that's cool. And so, like, did this new kind of, like, do you see it as a completely new sound? And did it come easy to you? Or were you like, let's change it up completely? It was, as I said, it was definitely going in the direction that it's in now. But once once we had decided that it was going to be a new thing, it was like, oh, everything was a possibility. So we kind of went back and re-recorded everything. And then through that process, kind of we're adding things in and making things, making probably a little bit more... Uh, making more bold statements as we were going and also just like because it's self-produced and, and the album is going to be self-produced and, and the EP is just the techniques of recording um, and and the kind of the freedom to do that because when no one's looking at you you can do whatever you want do you know what I mean like I really didn't have that much expectation of what was going to happen it was just like you know I don't really care anymore and I'm I'm sick of of trying to I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tired of worrying about what other people think about me and trying to fit things into a niche and sort of looking looking at stats and looking at the mirage of Spotify and looking at you know looking back on something and thinking why didn't it do as well it was kind of more like let's just make as much stuff as we can and, and keep being as creative as we can for as long as possible it sounds like the art kind of got lost amongst the figures and the business side of things is that fair just from like what you're saying 
No, no, to be fair, it never did. I mean, like, we were always serving the song, do you know what I mean? But I think it was more just, like, you know, being going through the process of being with a label and then, you know, walking away from a label and the frustrations of, like, not maybe having the support that you think that the music deserves because of maybe it doesn't get onto a certain, you know, radio playlist or whatever, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, it doesn't equate to the value of how good a piece of art is if it's not commercially viable at that time you know so I think like yeah we did we had we had to go through all those frustrations as a band and have you know hype your your you know when you when you're dealing with hype at an early age and then that kind of dissipates and then you're kind of trying to figure out what you are minus um someone else's opinion of you you know so that's kind of what I mean more so about that it's I, I don't think that our art ever got lost within it but I think it was just Maybe there was a little bit of frustration at like the slowness or looking back on and kind of how things went in, in that regard. But. Are you totally independent now? And is that just like, God, there's so much, so many emails that I have to answer. Is that like the main thing with being independent? Well, we just signed with new management there a few a month or two ago, which to be honest was actually a relief. I kind of went in, we, we went in quite headstrong of thinking we don't need this, we don't need this. Um, not even out of frustration, just because I think there was a huge desire to learn about how the industry works from that side of from that side of things, and it was so invaluable, you know. Because I think with Little Green Cars, we were a little bit more isolated from reaching out to people and communicating with people and talking to people who were doing sound or venue hire or whatever it might be, making music videos yourself and picking up the phone and, and trying to communicate with, with people. So for the time being, yes, we're independent in the sense that we're self-releasing, like, on our own kind of record label. Um, and But it was a relief to have somebody kind of as a first point of contact because you do want to be able to focus completely on the creative side. I mean, I'm not the most organized person in the world. I'm pretty bad at my phone. I'm pretty bad at my emails and stuff, so... That was a really challenging period, um, but we were all pulling pulling our weight. You know, everybody everybody in the band is equally as valuable, and everybody's you know doing doing their bit. So you know, but it is a relief to have to have somebody at that first point of, of contact. Where did the actual kernel of the idea come from? Was it just you being like, I have this new idea for a band, and you were like searching for new bandmates, or was it all kind of like a well, I guess a twenty five percent split amongst all of the four of you now in Soda Blonde? Oh yeah, I'd say it's a 25% split. I mean, in terms of the music that we went forward with, like that stuff was arranged together as a group. I mean, when I'd initially, when we had initially finished, I had thought what the options were and you're kind of, and other people are questioning whether it's right for them and it's a big step to, to plunge into a new project and to decide to commit to this again, especially from starting from ground zero. Um, it's not like you know we were carrying on with the name or anything. We were starting essentially from from the beginning. Yeah, I think that it was it was definitely a. It feels like to me, all for one and, and one for all. And it's really it's a privilege to work with with these amazing people that I've worked with for the last ten years of my life. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm presuming that there were a lot of fights along the way, though. But it sounds like you're still like really great friends and everything. Yeah, I mean, like, you definitely, there's no way you can do that job. And, like, we were living together and sharing beds on tour and, you know, four people in a room with two beds. You're going to you're gonna grind each other's gears and you're going to rip each other's hair out. Um, but, I, like, I think, I think that's what, in the last year anyway, I feel 
that we've developed just a, an incredible way of communicating and a really, really healthy way of criticising each other, um, which is integral to, to getting the music to the best place um, and being keeping you know keeping your head on your shoulders. I think I think it's I think it's it's uh, an amazing thing to be in a band. I think it's amazing. You've you've mentioned that a couple of times, kind of the criticism and the constructive criticism. Is that something that takes a while to get used to? Like initially, you're like, like the first time that someone is giving you constructive criticism, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, like I trust myself. Like, how do you come to start accepting that? Well, yeah, I think I was extremely sensitive for years and probably that was attributed a lot to maybe my lack of coming forward with stuff because I was just petrified of the idea of not, you know, of, 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 of it not being loved instantly, um, which is my issue. Um, and then you realise that that's ridiculous and you don't want to, you don't want everybody to just love what you do. But you, you want there to be um, a bit of drama and you want to cause a bit of a divide because that's what, what makes things what makes things great. So... I think for me it was just yeah it was just kind of coming to terms with um, writing and you know writing for myself and not writing for to please everybody and not writing to to make somebody fall in love with you you know you're just you're just trying to do it um, do it for you and so the start of Soda Blonde you played your first gig in Hogan's I think it was um, kind of an invite only thing I'm going to presume the like that was more nervous than you've been going up on stage like in a long time how how did the gig go it went really well it was it was received really well it was great and it was kind of like very much on our own terms um, so that was really cool and there was so many friendly faces there as well, you know what I mean? Like there was there was friends and family and, and all that kind of thing. And and it was it was just exciting to ha- to be able to do it so quickly to, to, to get back on the horse. But yeah, it was really nerve wracking because you're thinking about you are thinking about how it's gonna be perceived. And you're gonna you're gonna you're thinking, are you gonna alienate people who maybe were previous fans of the band and what are they gonna take to the new image? Because obviously the aesthetic's totally different and you know as I, for us, it's a whole new thing. But obviously, that's not exactly how everyone's going to see it. So, and, and you have to be aware of that. So there was a bit of nerves um, regarding how people were going to take it. But, but I think we were really fortunate in that um, the feedback was really positive. And then how did the summer continue? Did you play many festivals and kind of like just hone the sound, hone maybe the start of the live stuff? Yeah, we've only done about four or five gigs, but they were all, they were kind of like you know we did all together now and forbidden fruit and like we've only just begun and knocking socking and they were great there were great great slots and you know really good times of the day and we weren't expecting them you know like the offers were kind of coming in and and we were just delighted to take them and then we did a headliner in the grand social um which sold out which was overwhelming for me i i found it hard to not (laughs) shed a tear a little bit um, so yeah, and it's also it's a different it's a different um, process now because I guess before with little green cars that was the only thing that we were doing, whereas now everyone's working. <laughs> you know, you have to gotta you gotta pay your rent, so um, it's not as easy to just get together and rehearse. You know, five times a week and be riding all the time. You're kind of working around four people's schedules and working at different times of the day. So yeah, I guess it was like. It's just been a huge transitional period, you know, this this last year, deciding how much you want this and also that your life has totally changed because, like, you're not 
you're not in the band that you were in before and you're not, you know, it's not the same situation. So was Little Green Cars like a full-time job? Like none of you had any other side things. That's amazing. And also like that even seems even more daunting kind of calling it. Terrifying when you can't like put a knife and fork on the right side of a table and you're trying to get a job. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, yeah, it was. It was a full time. It was a full time gig, and we were so fortunate to to have that. And you really realised that when when it came to an end. And and this hopefully will be the same in the coming months. Fingers crossed. That's that's kind of what we're working towards. But it was really daunting, and and you do you do think about the fact that when you were you know a certain age that you went into a professional career and you were earning kind of a salary. And everybody else around you was going to college that was your age. And then you come out the other end of it and people have their niche. They're in society and they're, you know, they're saving up for mortgages and all that kind of thing. And, and you're like still doing your thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, I feel I feel like we're in the right place at the right time. And it feels like it's going in, in a direction that uh, that will be that will be good for us, you know. One of the most impressive things about Little Green Cards was the fact that, like, you were in the States almost more than you were in Ireland. You were, and now you've announced a tour, you're doing a couple of dates in the UK. Like, I mean, I was talking with someone uh, recently who's recently released an album and he was calling it, like, the Irish music non-industry, just saying, like, it's almost impossible to be sustainable as an artist in Ireland. I don't know, would you agree with that or do you just think, like, you've got to go overseas if you want to see it as, I guess, a full-time job. I think there's varying degrees of it. It depends, like, what your gig is and what you're doing, you know. Um, I can only speak for for ourselves in that we signed with an American label, so it made sense to be in America. Um, And also, we had to put in the graft work over there because, like, every state is a different country and, you know, we didn't really get radio support in America and we managed to achieve something great I mean we were selling out our last tour we were selling out like you know 10-12 shows across the country and that was only because we toured there so much you know like the first tour versus the I mean we did like 8 or 9 tours of America so it wasn't like we went back 3 times and then we were selling out gigs we were really really grafting and we were sleeping sleeping in vans and sharing rooms and I was getting dressed in portaloos and you know in at festivals there was so little glamour to it you know and I think people maybe don't realise that. They think, oh, you're going to the States and, like, you're, you know... You, it takes a while to, to break even. I mean, in relation to here and, and how can you make a living here just being here, I definitely think it's possible. Um, I just, as I said, it depends on what gigs you're getting and what type of music you're playing. I think it's hard because the circuit is so small. You, you don't want to just be repeating the circuit. There's only so many venues that you can do. Um, so... Ideally, yeah, you want to be able to be able to get across the UK and maybe get across to Europe and do that kind of thing. But do a few DJ sets, you know, <laughs> a few times, a few times a week, and you'd be grand. Like, um, maybe talk us through some of the songs on uh, the debut EP, which is out on November eighth. It's called Terrible Hands. Um, I was reading the press release that said that they were all kind of were they kind of old songs that songs that you had written earlier in your 20s like were any written specifically as a new band Soda Blonde actually none of those are specifically written during that period of time they were written before but they were rearranged and kind of they've taken their own life through the recording process and that was the thing I I just didn't feel right to leave them behind 
and I'm writing now at the moment for you know for the album and it wouldn't feel right just not having the perspective of being in Soda Blonde now on that album but I think it was really important to us to, to do this because as well there was a lot of imagery that I always wanted to use and there was like there was an aesthetic there and I don't know if you saw kind of the tour poster and stuff for it it's kind of terrible hands thing and it's a very androgynous shot of me in this kind of it kind of looked like I'm a stockbroker but yeah there was just a lot of things that were happening at that time and, and things like that so terrible hands was written um about maybe a year and a half ago and it was one of the first songs that I decided I wanted to try and kind of produce as a whole song, my, you know, myself, because usually we'd get into a room and we'd arrange it. And um, yeah, so the kind of guitar riffy thing was really integral to it. And I'd written it about, a, a, I was witnessing the kind of a, a friend's relationship fall to pieces and she was with an extremely um, toxic partner and it was incredibly difficult to watch. And still, still kind of scarred from it, to be honest. <laughs> Probably more than her. Um, so there was that. And then, yeah, the other songs. I don't want to give too much away before people kind of hear the songs. But I mean, in terms of the actual sound of the songs, um, there's a lot of vibrance in terms of the technique of the recording. I mean, we were kind of working with separating every section or every piece of the drum kit out and recording that separately so that was like a really interesting way of, of recording that I think is incredibly difficult to do but really worth worthwhile um, I mean yeah I could talk about it for days but um, I guess it's I'd like to leave it open to in terms of what it's about in terms of what the what the songs are about I'd kind of like to leave that open to interpretation a little bit before people hear it you know what I mean so and just in terms of like influences and the sound like I think it's the third track on the EP has a very kind of chromatics type of feel to it um I don't know when like you end little green cards do your influences kind of lie there or do you kind of bring them over or is or influences like you know we want to sound a little bit like chromatics or something like that is that something that comes through or or is it just you've been at it so long it almost you almost don't even think about it I think there's an element of that and also when you've such an eclectic taste between like four people they're going to bring their own thing to the table and maybe what they've been listening to recently might inform it or there's something that just works for the song. I mean my method's always been the same in terms of writing music. I just go in and my subconscious usually informs the first initial process. Um, and then my kind of conscious rational mind will fill in the blanks and make a story out of it, you know. Um, I wouldn't be one to ever put um, music to lyrics. I, I, I write poetry, but I think uh, I tend to just black out when I'm making music. And then it's the fun, it's the funness of it. And I do, to I do completely believe that like the song, um, you have to serve the song. You can't just go, oh, I listen to this thing and I really want to emulate. Well, you can, but I think like when you're working with a piece of music that you've written and you're bringing it to a band, it's a trial and error thing, like every time. But influences wise, I think like I've always had my my classic kind of song, the songwriters that I, I love and hold, hold dear. And then there's the, the sprinkle of the new bits that you hear along the way, I guess. It sounds like you're kind of just at the start of something really exciting. Like the debut EP is just about to come out. You're going on your first tour. Is this as exciting as it kind of gets sort of thing? You're just like, oh, I just can't wait can't wait for everyone to see what we've been working on 
100% because we've always been like a live band that's always been where we've been you know probably our strongest point is is us live um, and as I said before I'm kind of overwhelmed just that we're able to do it again and you know we're playing two nights in Whelan's I never thought we'd be able to do two two in a row um, I didn't think we'd be selling shows out like that um, and I'm excited for people to, to to hear it and to see what what the reaction is but uh it does feel like it's only just started, um, and I yeah I can't wait to see where it goes. Can can you tell us where you think it might go in twenty twenty? Like, are you like might be an album in the works? It does sound like you have a lot of songs that that are that are done or in very stage various stages of being done. Well, they'll a hundred percent be an album, hundred percent without a doubt. There'll be an album and like a whole lot more touring. Um, hopefully, you know, we'll be doing some more shows here and then some more shows in the UK and. We'll get over to Europe and then fingers crossed, you never know, we might get over to America again. But yeah, so that's that's the plan. I think it's funny that like the album still seems to be the ultimate goal of so many bands. Like I thought I thought the album was supposed to die in twenty thirteen and like it does seem like Spotify has killed off a lot of people's um I don't know what the right word is, maybe love for the album or like returning to it. But it does seem from a ba- like I still love albums and I do see it as kind of like the statement from a band when they release it but like it sounds like you're never in doubt like we'll be doing an album like we're not just going to release singles up on Spotify every now and again well there's so much more to it than you know there's a whole visual element to an album and like it's just more scope to be creative and like there's a journey there I think it's integral to to making music I think EPs are great and love jamming on a few singles and stuff but I don't know call me old school I, I just think that they're they're really important to have a body of work like that size you know well listen thanks for the chats and uh best of luck with everything the debut ep is great i'm i'm pretty sure the live show is going to be great as well and uh best of luck with uh 2020 and beyond with soda blonde thanks so much (laughs) 